Hello and welcome to the Cancer Research UK Tech Team podcast from the technology team here at Cancer Research UK. I'm Josie. And I'm Steve. And we've started this podcast to tell the story of what we do at Cancer Research UK in the hope that other charities and people who are interested in technology will find it helpful or interesting to hear about our experiences. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Rob Green and Eleanor Gibson, who are both working in the innovation team here at Cancer Research UK. Good morning, guys. Welcome and good good to have you here. Morning. We usually kick off by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about yourselves. So can you tell us a little bit um, about yourself and how you ended up in your current roles? Mm, Good question. Uh, my name is Elena Gibson. I've worked on and off at Cancer Research UK for quite a few years now. I started off as a community fundraiser, so helping people on the ground who are putting on fundraising events to raise money for Cancer Research UK. And then through multiple twists and turns, uh, worked in operations and then now moved into innovation. My role now is as coach to the innovation team, so that's making sure that the environment and the people within the team have everything they need to be able to create game-changing ideas for Cancer Research UK. And I'm Rob Green. I'm the head of innovation, so I'm leading the innovation team. My background is a mix of face-to-face fundraising, events fundraising, and then I kind of got into digital and I started working in the digital team at Outside Society. And then I came to Cancer Research because they were forming this like mega digital team uh, under Michael Doherty and it looked really exciting and cool. So um, I thought, oh, that, that looks fun. So then I came here and digital stuff for a while and then kind of just moved over to innovation because it seemed to be the the kind of where the change was happening or where there was um, a new focus on changing organizations and applying like digital tools and techniques in in a different way so that's why I'm here if that makes sense. So you guys are here to talk about how you've created a new innovation team at Cancer Research UK can you tell us a little bit about this and how it came about? Yeah so um, the innovation team currently was brought together from a number of innovation teams across cancer research in the policy and information section and the fundraising and marketing section and that was done by our director Hannah Kirtland and she saw that in order for there to be a strategic approach to innovation that they needed to be more coordinated and so the first stage in that was to centralise all of the big innovation teams and to create a kind of centre of excellence for innovation that was more strategic and had more like oomph behind it. She also did another thing um, that was to create an external innovation team called Beanstalk Ventures. And it was a pretty lofty experiment. And after about six to nine months, I think, that they they tried to get it off the ground. They tried to get the senior support. But at the time, it wasn't the right um, environment within CIUK. So that's now now been stopped. Um, so... Now we just have I guess to... that's all part of innovation, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like being comfortable kind of saying no to something or failing. Yeah, and like the people that did it as well, um, who uh, I think there's one one person who's still at Cancer Research. I'm pretty jealous. They've got like a pretty big failure under their belt, like Google Glasses style failure <laughs> that they can like talk about now and like because they went for something really big and like scary. And I think that's really cool. I mean, you know, obviously they, they lost their jobs, which is n- not cool. Um, but it, they, they went for it and they, they did something risky, which I thought was cool. So now, um, yeah, we've got this big central innovation team. Yeah, that's that's how that started. In terms of the new team that you set up, the central team, what's been the impact of this so far? And can you share some um, examples of some of the work that you're doing? We've been around for about four or five months now. And we're ta- we're taking like a test and learn approach to like absolutely everything that we're doing. So obviously, how we 
come up with the new fundraising ideas or the new propositions for CIUK, we 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 do in a, a test and learn way. We start small and we test and we find value. But we're also taking the same approach to what this team should be doing. So we didn't just like stumble into this and go like, well, an innovation team does this, does that. That's what innovation teams do. We were like, well, what's the need internally? What's the appetite internally? And we spent a lot of time with directors, like kind of like setting traps for them and seeing how they respond. <laughs> because if you ask someone, as as we know, like if you ask someone, they'll they'll tell you one thing and it might not necessarily be the right answer or the answer that you need but if you put things in front of them and see how they react then you'll probably get a better answer or a kind of truer response so we've done a series of that internally to understand like what this team should do and say that what this team needs to be doing is it needs to be focusing on like high risk high reward stuff like big risks is is the direction that we've been given but also we should be making sure that we're not like stepping on other people's toes so there's like so many people in CIUK doing awesome stuff across these different product development teams and within you know departments and so we need to make sure that we're not getting in their way that's really important and also I think the thing that I've learned most is that we need to make sure that we are not just going off and doing random stuff that we are aligned strategically to the strategy because like that's how we've all agreed we're going to beat cancer so we need to make sure that we're like all pushing in the same direction and if we go off and just create some random income stream that doesn't necessarily align with that or come up with new propositions that are good but not like the most important thing then that's not helpful and that won't get the senior support that we need to to make these things happen. One of the big things that we're doing differently as well is that we're looking right at, for innovation right across the organisation. So at the moment, we're mostly focusing on fundraising and marketing. It's an easy way for us to be able to show the value that we're adding because it will have a pound sign next to it. But in future, we want to be looking at um, research and information and right across all the work that Cancer Research UK does, not just fundraising, but also making that impact and changing out uh, cancer outcomes for mm. people. Do you see the strategy as kind of like guide rails, like for your innovation like process? Because obviously, I guess, like you, like you said, you could just be doing like yeah. anything, but mm-hmm. actually, you need some constraints. It's the same in sort of design, because yeah. then, then you know where you, what you can bounce. Through. Definitely, you, constraints are really important, and what we're tra- what we're the way that our team works is understanding we're running tests internally to understand what the constraints are. I'm sure it's the same in every organisation that although strategy might be written down, different stakeholders have different ideas of what that might look like for them. And what we're aiming to do is to continually work out in the open so we show everything that we do every two weeks in order to understand from our stakeholders what they're, whether what we're doing aligns with their idea of what the strategy is. That's one of the hardest things that we have to do is use those constraints and understand exactly what they are. And again, something that we're doing differently to many other teams is doing that through a test and learn approach rather than trying to sit down and read the strategy and infer from it ourselves. Mm. Mm. I think something that I've learned or reflected on recently is that we operate more like a product team, like a digital product team with like a roadmap. And we're like constantly refining our backlog about where we're going. And that direction is like relatively unknown for the future um whereas i think before some innovation teams have operated more like an internal agency or a project where they've got a series of stage gates and like long-term plans i think that's that's the difference between us as an innovation team Mm. and and like maybe previous incarnations 
Lovely. So can you tell us about some of the principles, tools and techniques are that you're using and are there any examples that you can share with us? Yeah, we've already started to talk about some of those already, which is um, running really quick feedback loops, both with our stakeholders and also with our supporters who we're hoping to um, interact with, raise money from and get them more involved. So we have experiments running at the moment. We normally do them in two-week cycles. And the aim there is that we want to be really led by the reality of what people are experiencing, being that either our stakeholders and really understanding what they actually want rather than what they say they want, Mm. which are sometimes different. And the same with uh, our supporters and the people that might be interacting with the propositions that we create. Again, popping stuff in front of them and measuring their behaviour rather than ask them what they think they might do in a kind of focus group type setting. So a lot of those tools and techniques are user experience, UX tools. We've been running user interviews, for example, as well as doing guerrilla testing of um, prototypes. Um, so those are the kind of tools and techniques that we're using. And I think one of the other uh, things that we've been experimenting with a lot is about remote working. So I think for a long time there's been this like kind of deep-seated assumption that we all need to be sitting in big office blocks in London for um, it to work. And over the last few years in a, in the previous team, we were forced to work more remotely and experiment with like the tools of the internet to come up with ideas, to test them, to, to run the team. And what we found is that actually there are probably more benefits than negatives to having a remote first team because we can like harness lots of different people's um, like in terms of diversity, uh, like prospectuses and, and opinions that we probably wouldn't be able to afford if we only were restrained by hiring people in London. So like really practically, like some of the things that have made massive step changes to us are tools like Mural, which is this like online collaboration space. But it's like it feels like it's like the DNA of the team now. It's like woven into how we work because it makes everything very transparent and collaborative. And also, I think that like another like real practical set of tools and stuff that we're using is that like broadly we're adopting agile principles. And I wouldn't say like we're blindly follow like Scrum, which is like full on Agile, right? But I think we're just trying to adopt the principles that have been set out by the Agile Manifesto as much as we can. And so we, we do run like a series of ceremonies that maybe like a software team would would use. But we're, we're very open to experimenting with that. And if something's not working, like, I don't know, one of the ceremonies that they would suggest, then we'll, we'll ditch it and come up with our own. Is that like stand-ups, planning, retros and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we run two-week sprints or two-week chunks of work. We'll, as a team, we'll sit down remotely using Zoom. So we'll use video chat and Mural to, as an online whiteboard. And we'll plan what we what is the most important one thing that we should do as a team in the next two weeks. And we'll all swarm around that. Mm. We'll create, we'll understand what done looks like, where we want to get to in that two weeks, break it down into tasks, assign who's going to do mm. what. And then every day we'll catch up about that, see where we are. And that's quite a radically different way of working. And what it's meaning is that we can move really fast on the things that have been identified as most important. We can get stuff out really quickly because we have a UX designer, we have experimentation experts, data experts, um, 
you know, we've got everything that we need in the team to go out and test stuff really, really quickly. But so actually, you could do, you don't actually necessarily have to be an expert to be doing these things as well. Mm. This is something that other teams or charities that, that might not have all of those people could do themselves and learn, but yeah. just by adopting the kind of thinking. Yeah. And we spoke a little bit about um, sort of remote working on our future of work um, episode. And I was also just going to comment about, you know, using sort of online whiteboards and, and mural. It's, it's really sort of quite revolutionized the way I work and because I you know about a year ago when we started exploring this and I think it was probably coming from your team I was like you know I'm a UX researcher or designer and I facilitate workshops and I'm with people all the time in a room and then moving from that place to now you know I've facilitated workshops with like 28 people on them and online and now and and I'm you know and just seeing all these companies out there as well that are sort of fully remote it's really interesting it's really yeah. seeing kind of what that vision of our future way of working it is yeah. and both, we found sorry are both mural and zoom free to use no so both, uh, I'm not sh- I'm not sure about zoom but mural is free for 30 days to trial and then you, um, you have to pay yeah, but uh, as a charity, you yeah. get it at half price. Yeah, okay. you can ask for a charity. We'll discount. add links to those in the episode mm-hmm. description. We will. For you guys. And we also use Trello to manage all of our tasks and have a kind of team to-do list, if you like. And what we've found through all this remote working is a really clear distinction for where remote working is is even more valuable, we'd say, than face-to-face is when you want to work efficiently. So, for example, if you want to do lots of thinking together, if you want to organise things, when we plan our work for the next two weeks, we will do that online because it enables everybody to have this shared kind of visual of of what you're trying to do the things that work better face to face are creative things so when we're trying to come up with new ideas or really think differently about something and explore and also the more human interactions so retrospectives where we talk about lessons learned how we're working together as a team when it's emotional stuff we really find that's best done face to face but other than that there really is nothing that you, you can't do remotely and we've learned that having a team right across the UK. It's mm. really exciting. We've totally tried to like like break the rules and, and test the boundaries of this and like Elle like went to Spain for like a week, I think, and we worked from there like a few years ago. And and I was a bit like, Well um, <laughs> is this gonna work? And it totally worked. And then it made me go like, Yeah, why don't we have people around the world? Why don't we harness the best talent from around the world? Why are we limiting ourselves to just the people that can afford to live near London? Yeah, which is yeah, n- not I think like gonna work for the rest, you know, the rest of time. Yeah, it's definitely being able to work remotely is a reason why people stay in in this team. It gives people freedom to stay with their family or like me to go and work from Spain for a week. <laughs> um, it it it's such a it, it really changes your whole lifestyle that flexibility and it's part of the reason I think we have such awesome people in the team is because it it enables them to do that. So, like, bringing it back a little bit, I'm going to ask a big question now. What does innovation actually mean? <laughs> and and that's, like, to us, to CIUK, mm. out in the world, and is all of that the same thing? So I think the word innovation is a bit of a shit word, and it's the it's the it's similar to where I think the word digital is going. It's becoming, like, everything and nothing. And, like, when I became, like, the head of innovation, I felt like I became, like, the head of everything and nothing because... I was kind of walking around trying to work out like, well, what does that mean? And then, you know, you do like, you look online and you talk to people and there's like, you know, 20 million variations of the truth. 
what it means for CIUK and what we've learned is that it's like new areas of uh, of growth for the organisation that we're currently not like having a coordinated approach to. So right now, for us, the innovation team is focusing on like the video gaming market. Like we're doing loads of really cool stuff on video gaming, but we also recognise it's a humongous sector and um, the gaming sector and 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 as an opportunity is absolutely huge and there is just so much potential there that um we think the innovation team could get behind it and and like push it and like support the people who are already doing loads of awesome stuff um but also go after like other stuff that we're not set up currently to try and like leverage i guess there's like this team called the innovation team which actually you should probably call it like the emerging markets team or something at the moment but that might change as the strategy changes or uh, the need internally changes. We might not need uh, new markets. We might need something completely different. We might need like behavioural change internally. We might need a, a team to do something else. Like Everyone is being innovative and everyone is able to come up with new ideas, improve stuff. It's not just the innovation team's like job, like the cool kids sitting in the corner to come up with these like fancy new ideas, like, you know, 1950s marketing agency or something like it's everyone's job to be improving stuff and everyone needs to be innovative. It's just that now we've kind of called this team the innovation team. And I think there's this weird situation where people are like, should I be innovative? And, you know, or is that your job? And it's just like, well, hell yeah, like everyone should be. But it's then like how the innovation team should or could support everyone is is the question. And right now, that's that's not something that we're trying to answer, um, because we're focusing on new markets and where there's opportunities. Mm. I guess it's similar. I mean, with the UX team, that's that's pretty well established here. But you know, part of our kind of remit is to kind of, you know express the point that actually you know everybody needs to be thinking about our users our supporters you know and it's that's kind of everybody's job um mm-hmm. and then kind of giving them the skills and, and the, the the sort of thinking principles around that and that's really similar to what we're aiming to do in the innovation team as well doing things like using plain language making sure that we show everyone what we're doing every two weeks and saying to everyone in the organization it, you can all be innovative um and starting to enable them to use some of the easy tools and techniques of doing that making it not this kind of mysterious things that yeah. happen Smoke behind mirrors. closed and, doors yeah. which I think is what's happened a little bit with UX you know everyone's like mm. ooh you know it's got an X in it <laughs> it's scary um, but actually you know it's just about okay listening and observing people and you know coming up with solutions that, that kind of fit their needs and stuff like most people are doing all this stuff like day in day out yeah, like yeah. they're doing UX they're doing innovation but we've just like created all these words and this industry around it. it and yep. stuck a label on it and everyone's a bit like ooh like I met a nurse from the roadshow the other day and she was just chatting about like what she does like day in day out and like and like most of the stuff she said like was just like great UX great like I would consider like like testing or like yep. and, and but she just does it as like kind of common sense and I think maybe the next generation of people might not necessarily well like coming through the workforce might not necessarily like learn all of these like labels that we've created and they might just do this all as part of their role and then the word digital the word innovation will just be like words of the past because it would just be what everyone does and yeah it's like everyone uses a computer now yeah (laughs) Yeah, at one point they didn't you know yeah so um why do we need to be innovative specifically in charity there's some really good reasons more, more and more organisations are encroaching on what has traditionally been a charity space, mm-hmm. right? We've seen Facebook, everything from them to like toilet roll are doing good. 
And encroaching on that space, we know that people are only giving as much as they ever have done. We need to think differently about how we create the changes that we're trying to as charities. And then wider than that, the impact of technology and digital is just meaning that our users and supporters' expectations are entirely different and what we can give them is is changing so, so quickly. Mm. We have to set up our organisations and our teams to sense and respond, not predict and plan like we have been um, up till now because it's, yeah, that innovation is required to keep up with the really, really quick changes that are happening around us. Mm. And I also think I've got like this assumption that at the moment, like the charity sector is in a bit of a like crossroads because like we've created all these institutions around all these people uh, to to achieve like some amazing things. But the way that these institutions have been set up at the moment don't seem to be uh, enabling the people to keep up with supporters' expectations or like service users' expectations. So we need to be innovating on how these organisations are, wor- are working as much as like what they're working on, if that makes sense. Because I think this, I mean, this is just my opinion, but like they're, they're, these institutions predominantly, or the ones I've worked at, are quite risk adverse. And then that that can kind of slow down pace uh, at, at a time when like the pace and the expectation around change is, is like super high. So we need to be innovating on what these institutions look like, what they should be doing and how they should be working and ultimately enabling all the people in, in them to do amazing things. Mm, and that's part of what we both see our role as being uh, as part of this this innovation team being an example of how you can work differently to really understand what your service users want or what your supporters want and quickly deliver that to them as a kind of example of what that might look like in the future and how organizations could could be set up and you just touched upon it a little bit there and I, and I know that we spoke about this when we were planning the episode that you know you've we're noticing a cultural shift within organizations to be places where there is more of a focus on intrinsic values um, and staff can bring the whole selves to work over you know places that prioritize profit can you speak a little bit more about that as well yeah, so I'm like I am basically just regurgitating a lot of really cool stuff that I've read in other places, and this is I'm going to call out one. This is like a lot of this has come from a book called New Power, which for me was a bit of an eye opener. Who is that written by? His name is. Um, we'll look it up. Afterwards. We'll look it up. Put it in the show notes. And basically, he talks a lot about the increasing expectation of people to be participating more in their organizations yeah. and that there's this idea about like this crowd wisdom as well so no longer uh, should things be closed down they should be opened up and the the power of the internet can really be used to to help make decisions come up with new ideas hold people to account and this all kind of has this bedrock of like like really radical transparency like being really open and like brutal about that and, and I think this is what this book sets out are like the benefits of it and where you should be dabbling with these values more and where organisations have done it well. Like there's examples of like Lego and NASA where they, they, they have set up themselves to harness these, these things more and to involve people. And it for me, I like am completely flummoxed why the charity sector hasn't been like the leader of this, because actually these values, I believe, are like intrinsic to how most people believe they should be operating in the charity sector. Like we all join these jobs, not necessarily for like the salaries, because, you know, normally we'll get paid less than other other sectors. 
but to be part of something to be part of a movement and that I think a lot of us are people people like we we get a lot of energy from other people and, and bringing together people to create change and there's all these companies that are doing this around us and for some reason the charity sector well my perception of the charity sector isn't like completely all over this yet and I think that these values are going to become like less and less like tactical changes we need to make internally, but like fundamental shifts that we need to make in the charity sector. And there's like this, you know, these departments in most charities called volunteering. And like, I think volunteering to me is like where actually there's this huge like need and appetite to participate in these organisations and not necessarily harnessing all these people that want to come and support us, not by giving money, but by giving time and skills and experience. And so I think that there's like there's signals that these these values are important to both people that work in the organization or people that work people who support the organization and like everything in between but we're not necessarily like responding to those signals yet um but you can see them being played out through like technology companies and yeah like there's loads of examples of of the like riverford is another one like the ones that do like the vegetable boxes like they've just given away not given away but they've just like the company is now owned by all the employees. They did this big event where they all became like shareholders. And that, to me, that gives so much, that responds so well to like the, that trend, that value that people are, are, like, are expressing right now. Because it's about having staff that kind of feel bought in and like and, and owning what they're doing because they believe in it as well. And then they, they're doing it because they want to mm. rather than because it pays the bills. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and we necessarily don't have to do that in the charity sector because we've all kind of made that decision already. Like, you know, we're here to fight cancer or, or whatever. Like, and, and so this is all sitting here, like, ready for us to tap into whenever we want. But I don't know if we are yet. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it now. Come on. <laughs> Start the movement. Right, I'm going. No, Start yeah. the revolution. Are there any other charities or organisations doing innovation well from your perspective? So I've, I've got a, a crush on a charity called Child.org. The founder behind that, I can't remember, Thomas... Muirhead. Muirhead. He did this like TED talk a few years ago and um, I think he was like the head of digital at another charity and then he started this small charity in like East London somewhere. And this this charity just seems to be like light years ahead of everyone else in terms of how they think about um, how we generate income as a, as a charity. And every time like I check in and look at their website or stalk them a little bit, they just seem to be like another two, three years ahead of where we like that inkling of like, oh, mate, what's that? And they're like, oh, they're doing it and they're doing it really well. They're amazing. So I'll check out child.org, give them those money as well because they're doing those good stuff. <laughs> and from my perspective, Action for Children are um, a larger charity that are doing brilliantly. They, it kind of feeds into what we've been talking about. They have somebody, who, their digital and innovation teams are all mushed up together because as we do, they believe that the principles are pretty similar, whether you're creating a website or whether you're creating a new fundraising product. And they have a huge number of products and propositions, pilots out there at any one time from subscription boxes to um, family support websites. And they're just really working at speed and winning lots of awards for stuff like that. So what advice do you have for other charities, big or small, um, who are wishing to cultivate a culture of innovation? Are there any steps they can take, any resources that you can recommend that you haven't mentioned already? Mm, good question. I would say innovation is not just for the big organisations and I've seen so many organisations, as Rob was saying, they're doing it already. My advice would be just 
get clear about something that you want to try and just do the smallest thing that you can to to have a go break it down if you've got a new event you want to try break it down into the ideas that make that up or the assumptions or the questions that you have about it and go out and learn something about the most important one and that can be as simple as Right yesterday, for example, I had the copy for an event. So I'd written a description of an event and I quickly went around the office and asked three people what they understood that event would be about. And that enabled me to reorganise the content so it was a better description because it didn't quite come across clearly. Anything as simple as that, that's innovation. That's starting to learn about what your supporters want. And you don't need to be a big organisation with a big team behind you to be able to do that. Mm. And, and I would say, um, like, don't forget, like, in the charity sector that the people that work in the charities are, are the biggest asset and and so are the supporters and volunteers so like this isn't a very practical step but like just listen like to these people more or give them the opportunity to listen and build that trust internally so that they can feel like they can tell you what's going on i think for me some of the the best moments in, in you know any organization i've worked in have been when i've been like chatting directly to like a community fundraiser or a nurse or someone in like um a, like kind of call center or something and they're just giving you like the honesty and the like in-depth understanding of a particular problem and and to me like that is where the innovation should be happening about empowering these people and making not necessarily like you know turning them into a startup and making them you know change their job and all that kind of stuff if they don't want to but like just listen to these people understand the problems and and that is I think the most valuable thing you can do Mm. and taking that a step further how can you speak to your supporters so often when we work in individual giving or in direct mail supporters become numbers and how like just go out and pick up the phone to six of them and just have a chat and see what is going on for them what's getting in the way what do they love about working like giving to your charity or engaging with you so often we become further and further removed and those personal conversations can really be enlightening and there's lots of people across the charity sector and outside of that are look, thinking about this stuff and having these kind of conversations so there's meetups um i definitely encourage people to get coaching or mentoring we for example uh, in the innovation team run a book club which is about once a month is virtual of course using um video chat and mural will somebody will bring a book and talk about that and that sparks some really interesting conversations about how we might do things differently And we also have um, some tools that we've got on Mural that we're happy to share, which is kind of templates, which you can complete to help you start to get to know your supporters better and run experiments with them. Amazing. So just to finish, what message would you like to leave the listeners with today? So I I think we as a sector have to decide on how we're going to keep up with all these people's expectations and I don't think that's going to work if we all sit in our silos in our different charities any longer now that's all very you know fair me saying that sitting in like one of the biggest charities in our ivory tower but I think that we all have a responsibility to start working together more and so um, we're definitely trying trying to start to collaborate with other charities more and solve problems together but it's hard, but I think we should all be trying to do that. And by all means, hold me to account, you know, how me, if you think there's opportunity for us to be working together, because I think that, you know, there isn't probably a lot longer for us to continue to be operating in these institutions in the way we are. I think we can all see the signs that things are starting to change, expectations are changing and, and trust is kind of a bit in decline. 
And so we all need to start to work together more. And at the end of the day, we are just groups of people and we've put these institutions around us to try and achieve these problems. If that's not working, then we need to kind of test and learn a bit. And do hold him account to that. Hound him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, message Rob if you're interested in, in um, collaborating. I had something to add to that that I can't remember what it was. Oh, no, it was just start small. So exactly, we've got this big vision, whether that is completely re reorganising the charity sector. You can start really, really small with that. It doesn't need a, you know, a huge strategy necessarily. It can just be picking up the phone. It could just be speaking to someone. It could just be getting out of the way of your supporters so they can, and watching what, what they do. Enable, it can be really, really small. So innovation doesn't have to be this big um, thing. Just have a go, try something, think about what you learn. And behaviour change, you know, which is kind of what we're talking about here, really happens at all of the levels, yeah. you know. Model, yeah, model that behaviour, I think that's yeah. what we've learned, is that, like, uh, it starts with, like, you modelling the right behaviour like in everything that you do, um, which we try to. And if we don't, hold me to account. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. That was super enlightening and interesting. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed hearing from Rob and Eleanor. Do you guys have Twitter handles that you want to share in case this is want to follow you? Yeah, I'm at Robert M. Green. I'm not on Twitter, but I am on Medium. And Steve, what's your Twitter handle in case anybody's interested in following you? Uh, my Twitter handle is RegularPodder. Excellent. And I am at Josie Downey. If you'd like to hear more from the technology team at CRUK, you can find us on our LinkedIn showcase page. You can also read the technology blog at medium.com forward slash cancer research uk tech team blog and you can also see what roles are going on within the technology team at criuk.org forward slash tech jobs and if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast team directly you can now send us an email to techteampodcast at cancer.org.uk as we'd love to hear from you links will be included in the show notes for everything mentioned in this episode and thank you to everyone who gave us positive feedback on the last episode with tiffany hall who came on to talk about women in tech that episode is still available to download now if you'd like to listen. If you like the podcast, please share it on your networks, leave us a review and subscribe.